Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. And with me on this Tuesday from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowden. How are you today, sir? Well, Stats, it's kind of a sad time here at the SB Nation NFL show. In some ways, in many ways, it is a great time because uh, I think the shows across the board are thriving and whatnot. But as we would be remiss not to tell the audience stats. This is the last episode of the podcast for a while, taking a little break. And obviously you and I will still be on the feed in different capacities as we're kind of scaling back a little bit with the NFL news cycle, uh, taking a little bit of a hiatus, if you will, or at least slowing down a little bit before training camps really start. I mean, obviously, so plenty of good stuff coming your way. Of course, don't stop paying attention or anything, but uh, it's, it's a little bit of a sad moment for us stats. Yeah, we're going to scale back a little starting next week. We'll do three long form shows a week instead of five. We'll still have the daily for you every single weekday. So don't worry about that. You'll be up to date on all your news, but we are going to scale back a little. So you and I will stop doing our regular show. We'll still team up. You'll still pop in on the look ahead and stuff like that. But this is going to be the last regularly scheduled off day debrief for a while. So it is bittersweet. I agree with you. Uh, before we get rolling, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. We are up over 200 ratings. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the support. And we always say, if you leave a rating, we will read it. Which brings me to this from SAT, S-A-T. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. This rating was left on Saturday. This from 09651. <laughs> Remember your first time reading a rating? Uh, subject, Dolphins. Five stars. I like to listen to this show here and there. I was listening to the off-day debrief number 87, and I feel like the Dolphins are going to do better than what most people are projecting them to do. The media is going to respect the Dolphins after this season. What do you say to that, BLG? All I can think of is I want to ask you your SAT score after that uh, little flub there, but that's, that's 12 here nor there. <laughs> okay. Um I don't want to shame people or or bring that up. Anyway, uh, the <laughs> Dolphins, uh, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. I think you guys were just talking about that. There's been a lot of Dolphins talk here on the SB Nation NFL show. I think there's a very much a collective lack of belief in Tua. It's a fact there should be. And that same be- lack of belief is in the organization, considering <laughs> the ways they've tried to pivot a quarterback there. Right. Um, so, I mean, but look, if the Dolphins come out this season – and they're way better than everyone expects, then that's great for Miami fans, and they can throw it in our face. So there you go. Yeah, I have to call it like I see it. And until Tua shows me something that he's never really shown us before, I'm going to continue to doubt the Dolphins. They're not even all in on Tua. Their plan this season was to get Sean Payton and Tom Brady. So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying he can't do it, but he's got to show me first before I'm going to give him uh, any sort of credit or expectation for that. Uh, topic of today's show is because, you know, sometimes I feel like it's easy to be negative, but we're going to be positive on today's show. 
So we are going to look at the teams that are most likely to go from worst to first. And in case you need a little refresher, I'll just run through the last place finishers quickly. The Jets were last in the AFC East at 4-13. and 13. Then the Ravens tied with the Browns in the AFC North at 8-9. and nine. The Jacksonville Jaguars, 3-14, and 14, were in the basement of the AFC South. And the Denver Broncos at 7-10 and 10 brought up the rear in the AFC West. In the NFC, Giants, 4-13. and 13. Lions, 3-13. and 13. Panthers, 5-12. and 12. And Seahawks, 7-10. and 10. And still feels weird to say those records. I'll give you first pick, BLG. You could go anywhere you want. Where are you going? Most likely worst to first. Hmm. So if we're going to start at the top and go the most likely teams to improve, I think there's two obvious answers on this list. And then the rest are kind of like, like kind of have a hard time seeing them actually finishing first. Um, I think you would kind of order them maybe in most likely to improve. And again, not necessarily win their division, but for the sake of this exercise, I'm going to go with, a frequent guest on the SB Nation NFL show, his new team, Russell Wilson's Denver Broncos. Wow. I think it's them. And I know the division is really hard, but you look at Russ's track record, it's one season other than last year where the his team didn't win double-digit games, and he had a large part of that. And even in his down year last year, he still had like a pass rating of like 103 or like over 100 with a broken finger or whatever he had going on there. So uh, I, I do agree there's downside here. It's not just as simple as like Russ comes in and the Broncos are automatically great. You and RJ, you know, have been talking about this, but I feel like the upside is winning that division. I think Russ makes that big of a difference. The roster there, I don't think is incredible, but there's some pieces there to work with. I think it could be a situation where everyone kind of maybe forgot just how good Russell Wilson is in terms of like, you know, he, he was out of the spotlight last year, get him into a better situation. And it's like, oh, wow, uh, Russ is really back and he's back in the MVP conversation. So I feel like that's the kind of upside that the Broncos have. I know it's a tough division, but I feel good about them not finishing last again, at the very least. I'm going to respond to that in a second, but shame on me. I'm really having a rough start to the show. I need to remind everybody that we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. I'm really surprised to see you say that Denver is the most likely team mm-hmm. to go from worst to first because I agree it's it's not so much a lack of faith in Russ as it is just the incredible division like they would be lucky to split all the division games just because the AFC West is so loaded and then I look at the rest of their schedule they have to play San Francisco they have to play Tennessee that's not going to be easy Baltimore the Rams those are very, very difficult. Like there's no like rest for them. You know, I feel like there's no week where they can kind of not have to be at their best and still get a win or there's very few of them. I don't know. I, I think it's more likely the Broncos miss the playoffs than it is. They finish first. Is that fair? Mm. Well, I mean, you know, again, it's just such a tough division and, um, you know, I could see it going a billion different ways in the sense of like, does it get to a point where, you know, a team starts hot? Do they, do do the Broncos find their groove in time? Are they slow starters? Do they start fast and do they fizzle out? Um, I don't know. I just, I really have a lot of faith in Russ and, you know, I'm biased because I think he's, he's a really good player. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL. So maybe I am, 
I am uh, looking through orange colored glasses, if you will, stats. Yeah. But I just have a lot of faith that the Broncos are finally ready to kind of win here. And that Russ is going to make a very, very big difference for them, despite all the challenges and obstacles in their way. And I'm not saying like, again, this is most likely worst to first. This isn't like I am definitely saying the Broncos right. are locked to win the AFC West. That's not what I'm saying. That's not the ob- objective here. I just feel like they have a path with the quarterback that they do to winning that division from going from last place to first. The hype is going to start early because they're in Seattle week one on Monday night, and then they play Houston at home week two. So they're going to most likely be 2-0, and and it's going to be Broncos country, let's ride, all that dopey <laughs> crap from Russ. And then they're going to play San Francisco in week three. They very easily could win that game against Trey Lance, who who knows what he's going to be as a starter. So then they potentially could be 3-0 and going into Las Vegas for their first division game in the Russell Wilson era. Like the hype for the Broncos early could be real. I can't wait to see it. Um this it's it, what a treat it is like that we we do get to see this division just loaded up on quarterbacks because you know how many division matchups are there that you just don't even really care about at all yep. like and and then get and not only just don't care about but are being highlighted in like a, in a prime spot or a prime time spot whereas like literally every game in this division is worth watching um so that's pretty cool yeah it's rare where people with no rooting interest would be like, sit down and, and want to watch a game that's outside of their division. But I agree. That's just the AFC West is incredibly stacked. All right. I'm going to say a team. And I, when you told me the topic with this idea yesterday, I started looking and I was like, am I really going to, going to do this? Like, mm. uh, but I think that I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars in what? the AFC South. <laughs> what are you talking about? I know. I get it. It's crazy, and I'm a psycho. But hear me out. I don't have a ton of faith in that division as a whole. Sure. Right? I don't have a ton of faith in Houston. I Tennessee just gives me, you know, you always talk about big loser energy. Mm-hmm. Something is going on in Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill doesn't seem like he's happy with everything. Obviously, A.J. Brown is gone. Uh, Burks apparently couldn't even make it through his first practice with Tennessee. Like, (laughs) I don't know, man. I I just think that maybe they're not going to be as good as they've been in recent years. And look, you would know better than me. Am I giving Doug Peterson too much credit? Because I think that they are like they were such a disaster last year with coaching like do people realize how bad urban meyer was was he even like he didn't know who aaron donald was he's not flying back with the team he's kicking kickers like how is any quarterback going to thrive in that environment i think they're going to get a huge bump and and maybe you know trevor lawrence can fulfill some of that promise that we all everybody seemed to think he had coming in is it crazy to say that maybe jacksonville can pull this thing off I think it's a little crazy. I have them third uh, to last on my list here. Third least likely in terms of worst to first. I love Dougie P. Everyone knows that. And I do think he raises their floor down there in Jacksonville. But just look at the offseason that they've had. They make all these signings overpaying for people. Like The vibes there usually aren't great when you're that team that ends up being the one to overpay everybody. Um, there's the fact that 
Uh, I do agree that in terms of just division mobility, like looking at the rest of the teams in the AFC South, it's not like, yeah, there's this like total juggernaut that is, you know, the Chiefs or whoever, this, this you know, no doubt about it team at the top. So I, I get what you're saying from that perspective, but, you know, it's, it's, this is a franchise <laughs> that does very much does not deserve the benefit of the doubt. Well, you're um, not wrong. Has, under Shad Khan has been terrible. Uh, Trent Balky, obviously, a lot of issues with him. There's just a lot going on there that I just cannot merely give them the benefit of the doubt. Although I have been thinking about it, and I'm like, well, what if we kind of see a Joe Burrow like bump from Trevor Lawrence? Like, what if he gives? Not to say that you know the Jaguars are going to the Super Bowl, but like, what if he kind of makes this big jump in year two? That's a little bit unexpected, and that propels them further than people think. I do think that's possible. But I just still don't feel great about like a, a lot of the rest of the roster. Um, so, you know, I think they're going to be better because it's hard to be <laughs> worse after being the number one overall pick for True. two years. I don't think they're going to have that again, but I think it's a little bit rich winning the South. I think the Colts are ahead of them. The Titans will see probably ahead of them. Um, but yeah. Now, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but like for a team that finished as the number one seed in the conference, does anybody like there's less juice with the Titans? Like no one is saying they're going to be the number one seed again, but it's just, it's just not there for whatever reason. They got worse. Yeah, they did. The schedule for Jacksonville, they start in Washington. That's winnable. Like Carson Wentz could self-destruct at any time. And maybe it's a battle of who can do that less in that game. He did famously lose to the Jags. Right. We have seen it before. Let's just say that. Obviously, uh, Indianapolis, the Chargers, the Eagles, Houston, uh, and I get it. They're going to be the worst team probably in all those matchups. But we it's crazy to think like you can't go into the season being like this team's going to be exactly who they were last year. That's just not how it works. And again, if we're doing this exercise, I, I'm, I'm going to go Jacksonville. I, I, I'm not going to put any money that matters to me on it, but I don't think it's totally crazy. I think the Jags can be like a regular bad team as opposed to like, you know, just a total tire fire embarrassment, which would be an upgrade again for them after what they were last year. Just like a normal team. That's like, okay, they're not good, but at least they're not like the biggest disgrace in the league. So there's some progress there. And maybe Trevor Lawrence again, makes some, uh, take some steps forward, but stats, I am shocked that you did not have the, I think a team that a lot of people would put number one here over the Broncos. And I'm sure I'll get flack for not believing in the flock. That is the Ravens stats. I have them at number two. It's kind of one A, one B for me. Like it's it's a, it's a, it's a close margin here. And the Ravens have like, the makings of a team that's primed to bounce back. Obviously, you know they've been there before at the top of the division when the season wasn't totally decimated by injury like they were last year. Just so many injuries. Their secondary was like brutally bad. Uh, at points where they just they didn't have bodies um, due to COVID, due to injuries, due to everything. Uh, so I think just some natural regression in a positive way in terms of injuries, it's going to be big for the Ravens. Um, they had a killer draft, which, you know, doesn't necessarily mean always a ton for that year, given how it's more of a long-term thing typically. But still, I think they got some good contributors there. Um, who else do you feel is like, who? okay, the Bengals won the North last year. Like, do you feel like they're definitely going to repeat? I mean, I'm sure you like the Ravens outlook more than the Steelers outlook. And then who the heck knows what to make of the Browns with all that's going on with Deshaun Watson and just the whole team there. So uh, I think the Ravens, maybe, you know, again, I should have had them number one. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Uh, They should have been number one. 
Uh, I'm totally not buying into the Bengals. Like, I am not ready to just pencil them in as, like, perennial, you know, division contenders, perennial playoff team. Like, not at all. If you had asked everybody at the beginning of the year last year, the coach most likely to be fired first, I think Zach Taylor might have won that competition. Mm -hmm. So, like, let's just remember where the Bengals were. They had a great year. Not trying to take anything away from them. But let's see if they can do it again. I agree with you on Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm not worried about the Steelers at all. There's too much uncertainty with the Browns. And honestly, like even if you told me that Deshaun Watson was going to play every game and not be suspended at all, he hasn't played football in a year. Like, can hmm. we just count on him to come in and be amazing right off the bat? I don't know that that's realistic. Either. I don't know. It worked for Micah Parsons and Jamar Chase. <laughs> well, that's true. Um the Ravens, like you said, they are due for some aggression. They have a weird schedule. They play the four teams in the AFC East right off the bat, first four mm. games of the year. At the Jets, Miami, at New England, and Buffalo. So they go Buffalo in week four and Cincinnati in week five, back-to-back. -back. Now, both of those games are at home, so that's good. They also have to play Cleveland and Tampa back-to-back. -back. Their schedule is not great. Have they done enough around Lamar? Have they added enough weapons for him? Because I'm not... I'm not in love with that offense. Yeah, I mean, I, we talked about this before, I think. Um, maybe I don't remember if it was on air. But uh, the fact that when you have such a high-volume running offense, you're not going to be the hot spot destination for, like, wide receivers. So some of that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. It's not just, like, a matter of the Ravens neglecting their quarterback. Um, obviously, they're going to get Bateman healthy here, so that's a big difference for them. Um, but the rest of their depth chart, like, are you really feeling amazing about a Devin Duvernay? or a James Prochet. Uh, obviously, they still have Mark Andrews there. Um, but it's, yeah, it's not like this prolific passing attack, but that's not what the Ravens are. They've been, you know, a team that likes to run the football a lot with Lamar, and obviously him doing that himself being a big part of that. Um, I think you can argue they made some upgrades on their offensive line. Um, what's his name? Villanueva, I thought was kind of like at the end uh, uh, of his rope there. Um, they get Morgan Moses, Coming in, not like an, an incredible player, but kind of solidifies. Solid player. The, yeah, yep. it solidifies the right tackle. It's an upgrade, I think, from where Villanueva was at the end of his career. Um, they had Linderbaum in the middle there. Getting a center was important for them. You know, so they upgraded his offensive line. Uh, maybe not the, the receiving weapon. So, so that's something. Um, you get Dobbins back healthy, right? So, um, you know, I, I don't know, again, that he's going to be MVP based on the uh, the receiving talent he has, but there's enough here, I think, to believe they can be better than they were last year. I've talked about this with the Packers, and I feel like the same thing applies to the Ravens at the quarterback position. I don't like it when the plan going in has to be just do something amazing, Lamar. Do something amazing, Aaron Rodgers. Like, I... It's not fair to ask those guys to be that good every single week. I just feel like get these people some help. And I don't know, like, if Baltimore is going to go worse to first, they're going to need Lamar to just pull out, like, have that MVP type of season. I don't know that he's going to have another one. But I agree with you. It, this would be the least surprising team to go worse to first. It's a big year. We've said it time and time again. We'll continue to say it. It's a huge year for Lamar, huge year for the franchise as a whole. Like this is like put up our shut up time. If if the Ravens miss the playoffs this year, or if they make the playoffs and get, you know, defeat defeated soundly in the first round and Lamar doesn't play well, I just don't know how you really feel great going to bed at night knowing that okay, we're gonna give this guy the highest 
paid contract in NFL history. Like that just doesn't sit well with me. If I was a Ravens fan, I'd be like kind of nervous about that. So huge year for them. And if they take advantage of the the worst, the first, then great. Then they well, things will be feeling good. So uh, one of the most interesting teams I feel like to watch this year. Yeah. Oh, this the storyline with Baltimore is going to be fascinating because like there are certain points in a franchise where like you could literally see the fork in the road, and it's yep. like okay. Lamar makes the playoffs, has a good showing. They take the the path on the right, and he's there for the next, you know, five to seven years, mm-hmm. and they're in the mix. If he doesn't, all of a sudden, they got to take the path on the left, and it's like they're in the wilderness. Like, who the hell knows what, what's going to happen with that franchise? And you could just point to certain points in time, and this is definitely one of them where they could go either way. And then maybe Lamar is like the quarterback available after this offseason. I mean, probably not because, they you know, they might still tag him, but maybe they the Ravens are like, we can't do this anymore. Like we need, we need to move on. So, um, would be interesting. Support for this podcast comes from smart water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart water alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated. No matter where your day takes you, whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, smart water alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Did you have another team as you're likely to go worst to first? Stats, this is where it gets tough. <laughs> because I think, I think you know, you can argue the order of Broncos and Ravens, but I feel like, except for you, who had the Jags, I feel like most people, that's going to be your top two. You can, again, you can, you can debate which order, but like we can all agree probably those are the most likely top two. After that, it's kind of hard to see like any of these teams winning their division. Again, it's not hard to see how they could improve, but I have the Detroit Lions at number three here, which kind of speaks to wow. like, and you know, that's really tough to do. Putting Jared Goff in the Lions over Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Like, I don't again, I don't think that's likely, but I think of these teams, I think the Lions can take a step forward. They were eleven and six against the spread last year. Uh, which is the fourth best cover rate in the NFL, which I think speaks to how they played above their talent level, which is an indication of good coaching to some extent. I think Dan Campbell gives the Lions an edge because he likes to be aggressive. I hope we continue to see that. And that wasn't just a product of like, hey, we're so bad and no one gives us a chance (laughs) at all that we're just going to go balls to the wall and do whatever. Like, I hope he kind of continues with that, even though not that the team is like great now, but they're a little bit better. So I hope he doesn't get, I hope Dan Campbell doesn't go away from that. You know, Jared Goff has some more weapons to work with now. I think Jameson Williams is going to be able to make an impact in year one. Um, You had DJ shark. I think that was a nice little underrated signing for them. Um, uh, Who is, uh, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Not the, I, I was thinking of him and then the, the former Packers receiver currently on the Bears, I think. Um, 
so I think that's a nice little receiving core for them. The offensive line is kind of like sneakily not bad. Like they like they they have the ability to protect golf. So I don't think they're you know lighting the league on fire or anything. But I do I do think the Lions will make a meaningful step forward this year. They are picking obviously number two overall this past year. I think they can get out of the top ten. I think they um, at, at one point in the season they could be like, wow, could the Lions make the playoffs? And probably not. And probably won't. But I think they could uh, maybe be in the hunt a little longer than expected. Mina Kimes was giving the Lions all sorts of love this week on NFL Live, talking about how their offensive line is improved. They, Like you pointed out, they do have some skill players there where there's something there. Like Amon Ross St. Brown came on at the end of the year last year in a way that I don't think people noticed because, you know, the Lions were out of it. I love the fact that they have Aiden Hutchinson there now. Like, you know, Michigan guy, local guy. I, I just I like that story. I think that's really cool. I think they will be better for sure. Uh, like you kind of talked about with the Jags, just go from being a dumpster fire to yeah. a regular bad team. And if Aaron Rodgers wasn't in the division, I might feel a lot better about this. Like if they had just kind of an average quarterback there in Green Bay. I would be totally on board with you. But like if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt, I just don't see how the, the Packers are going to lose enough games. But I'll say this. I will confidently say the Lions aren't going to finish last in that division next yeah. year. Yeah, it's the Bears. <laughs> right? It is the Bears. Like, <laughs> my neat. God, what are the Bears doing? Uh, I don't know. That's a whole other show. Uh, stats. Just uh, you could probably spend one entire episode on what are the Bears doing and still not find an answer. Um, so I have Broncos, Ravens, Lions. That brings me to my number four team, the New York J E T S Jets. 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 I have the Jets fourth stats, and there's a big projection here because I really <laughs> didn't like what we saw from Zach Wilson last year, but. I did like, I was intrigued by the talent uh, and like coming out of the, or when he was entering the draft there, I thought there's some upside to be to had. I, it's not like I never saw it. So I'm kind of going back to that and ignoring the very troubling rookie <laughs> season that I thought he had. But in fairness to Zach Wilson, that, that roster was just terrible. They were hit hard by injury. It wasn't good to begin with, but, and I, I've said this on BGN radio before, so I watched the Eagles and Jets practice against each other in joint training camp practices last year at the Jets facility. And maybe this is an indictment of your boy, Bobby Sala stats, but the Jets just had like no life and like no energy uh, as like the Eagles were just kind of like dominating them in practice. And it didn't, it wasn't even like they were demoralized and mad. It just seemed like they didn't care. <laughs> it was just apathy. And I think part of that was just the lack of like, credible players that they had because it's just a nobody like it's not like there was yeah. someone on that roster to be like hey you know like, we're like the buck stops like we're gonna you know pick this up like they just didn't have that they don't have and it's not like you know they've added a, like incredibly amazing leaders necessarily that fixed all of that but i do think they made some upgrades in the draft obviously they had the what the three first round picks there's some more talent there um the you know the bills are going to be hard to top there at the top of the division but <sighs> I don't know. Again, it's, it gets very hard after the Broncos and Ravens stats. I'm, I'm yes. talking myself into it. I don't fully believe it. Um, it's tough. Well, it's interesting you say that about Robert Sala, because like one of the things Niner fans loved about him is he was always jacked up on the sidelines. Like the right. Robert Sala reaction shot 
after a sack or a turnover or something became a thing with Niner games when he was there because he was always freaking out. So it's it's surprising to hear you say that. But they have made some additions. You know, I like CJ Uzama at tight end. I think that's good. Uh, I like all their first round. I love Sauce Gardner. Like, love, love, love him. And I love that he's in New York, so we could call it, we could go applesauce. That's just fantastic. Uh, I think Zach Wilson will be better. I really, really like Elijah Moore. Like, I think Elijah Moore could be have a breakout year next year in year two. They added Lake and Tomlinson to the offensive line. They mm-hmm. recognize like their offensive line would did not do Zach Wilson any favors last year. So hopefully they've, you know, patched some of the holes there. I think that they are definitely going to be better. My issue is to me, Zach Wilson's strength is off schedule plays and they have uh LaFleur there for the Jets who used to be in San Francisco and San Francisco's offense is built on on schedule plays, mm. the complete opposite of what Zach Wilson is best at. Not saying he can't, you know, eventually develop and get better in that area. But to me, you don't have a good marriage between quarterback and system there. So I don't know how it's going to work, but I do think the Jets are going to be way better this year than they were in 2021. You look at their roster. It's not like the worst on paper. Like there's like, okay. Yeah. It's Corey Davis. Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. Like, okay, that's something. You off to line. You mentioned they added Lakin Tomlinson. They have Elijah Vera Tucker, their first round pick from last year. We'll see what's going on with the Becton thing. Like, I don't love that there's kind of like uncertainty with him. And there's some questions it seems to be about like how he's managing his weight and everything. So that's a, a little unnerving. They add CJ Azuma. Uh, that's an underrated pickup. I thought he kind of low key was a really important contributor for the Bengals as they went deep last year. Everyone thought that Brees Hall was the top running back in the draft. They get him. They might be able to kind of uh, pull like a Baker Mayfield a couple of years ago with the Browns where uh, or like a Tannehill in Tennessee where they cut down on the the workload that Zach Wilson has to carry with his arm and like run the football a lot. Yep. So they get Carl Lawson, Carl Lawson healthy, which was like a big deal last year, him getting hurt in training camp. Uh, you have Quinn and Williams, Sheldon Rankins, and John Franklin Myers still in that defensive line, and you're adding Jermaine Johnson to that mix. So, like, I don't hate it. Like, I don't hate this roster on paper. Sauce Gardner, like you mentioned, it's it's not the worst. Um, I think really then the pressure turns to Robert Sala and can he maximize this group? And you would think that, like, the defense would be – like that's his area, right? He's a defensive coach. He did incredible things with the 49ers defense. Now that defense was more talented, but hopefully, you know, they can get in a spot to where you're not going to ask Zach Wilson to put up 30 points every single week. The Jets have a crazy schedule. They go AFC North right off the bat, Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. And then they have their first divisional game against Miami in week five. If if I told you now the Jets would be two and two going into that week five game, would you take it? Yeah, I think Jet Sands would too. <laughs> I agree. I'd sign up for that. I mean, you potentially are talking about a Cleveland team, maybe with, I mean, I don't know, Baker Mayfield is, who knows who the heck the starter is going to be for that week. Pittsburgh is either going to be Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. Like, honestly, if it if you tell me it's Trubisky against the Jet, like, I could easily see the Jets winning that Steelers game. I don't think that's crazy at all. I think they're going to be, you know, certainly feistier than they were last year. And uh, we'll be interested to see. Um, my next pick stats, I'm staying in the Big Apple, which is a farce because the Jets and Giants play very much not super close to New York City, but in North Jersey. <laughs> and I'm going with the New York football Giants, oh, who boy. are terrible stats. But <laughs> as we all know, 
as RJ Ochoa and I know, the NFC East is pretty volatile. There's always a different winner every True. single year. RJ actually predicted the Giants to win the NFC East. He will try to distance himself from this prediction. He claims he got caught up in the moment when we were doing a quadcast between me, RJ, Ed Valentine from Big Blue View. Shout out to the former Look Ahead host here on the SB Nation NFL show when we started. And uh, Brian Stabby from Hogshaven. And we all, I think we all predicted a different team to win the division. Um, but RJ went with, yeah, the uh, the Giants for some reason. Uh, there's no way he believes that because he loves to rag on the Giants. <laughs> But again, just the division being weak, um, the fact that maybe there's a scenario somehow where I know you think Daniel Jones stinks. Or, uh, not RJ. Stats. I almost called you RJ. How, How terrible dare you? Yeah, very offensive. And I mean, he's turned the ball over a ton. So I get what you're thinking from that. But I'm not ready to write him off entirely. And that's not me saying I believe in him. It's me saying I think there's still a path for him where he's in a better situation and things click. And I doubt that's here because I think what the Giants have done this offseason is correctly realize they were not in a spot to be like building the foundation for their new uh, run here as much as they needed to tear down further. Like it's like, let's not try to build a house on this shaky foundation. Let's totally rip the foundation out further so we can place a new one in and make it really stable. And if that means kind of taking a step back this year, then so be it. So maybe I'm not really factoring that in enough and they should be lower because I think that's what they were really trying to do. I mean, like they got rid of James Bradbury. That doesn't make the team better, right? Right. Like that's just about um, realizing, hey, he's probably he's not going to be here after this year. Why, well, who cares about this season? Like we're trying to think about the long term and that money we can save by moving on from him will help us down the road. And I, again, I think there's wisdom to that in the long term. They, they should be thinking that way. But like there's a scenario where Daniel Jones catches lightning in the bottle and the NFC East isn't that great. And somehow the Giants, the Giants of any team in the NFL is a team that won two Super Bowls out of nowhere like they weren't they weren't the best team in the nfl either of those years so like weird things can happen for the giants is the point um i don't feel amazing about it but i feel even worse about the teams under them so that's how i got here <laughs> yeah i mean i agree when you we've already covered a bunch of teams here so when you're trying to continue the exercise it gets a lot tougher i just i am out on daniel jones because the giants are out on daniel jones they didn't pick up his fifth year option that tells me everything i need to know Who's the quarterback where the team is basically like, yeah, we're willing to let you potentially hit the open market or have to franchise you. And then it's worked out. And that guy is stuck Joe around Flacco, in that baby. Place for a long time. And how, I mean, they did win the Super Bowl. That's true. He was literally 500 after that point. Yeah. Uh, and I think that the Ravens were worse off because he made so much money. But I just think that the, like you said, the giants are still in teardown mode. They're still in demolition mode. Saquon Barkley is not going to be there for very much longer. Who knows if he can even continue playing. Uh, Daniel Jones, I'm out on. I actually like Kadarius Toney, but the guy cannot stay on the field. When he plays, I think he's very good, but he's just never healthy. I do love what the Giants did in the draft. I love sure. the fact that they got Thibodeau. Like, he kind of just fell to them, and they would scooped him up. Thank you very much. But... I just think that they have a lot more work to do. Like you said, they're still tearing it down. Um, I don't know for sure that Brian Dayball is going to be like this great head coach. Like, like I'm not just going to assume that just like, I'm not going to assume that Tom Brady is going to be a great analyst just because he was a great quarterback. Like 
again, the analogy, I go back to the old Mitch Hedberg analogy. You're a great cook. Can you farm? Like it's two different jobs, even though it's in a field that's kind of related. Well, what I will say about Dable is that I think we have enough evidence from him to at least somewhat be optimistic that he's not going to be a total dumpster fire like Joe Judge was. Like you talked about Urban Meyer being a total joke. Like Joe Judge is very much kind of in that realm. And Pat Shermer, too, also just totally like, I mean, that guy, (laughs) I, I never, I was so happy when the Giants hired him because he had the most boring press conferences ever. And I'm like, there's no way. Pat Sherman was like getting up in front of a room of players and like motivating them. Like you'd fall asleep listening to him. So the fact that they have Dable, I think gives them something more, much more than their past couple head coaches there. So there's, I think there's very much, you can argue there's an improvement there. And this is probably the best offensive line that Daniel Jones has had to work with. And that's not saying a ton because the Giants have had really bad offensive lines. Um, but you add Evan Neal in here yes. and these aren't like huge moves, but you sign a John Feliciano who obviously has uh, familiarity with Dable system in Buffalo. And they added Mark Lewinsky too from the Colts who isn't like an amazing player, but is like a NFL caliber starting offensive lineman where the giants have very much had not had that. And that's the total turnstiles on the offensive line. So they're giving Daniel Jones more of a chance than he's had. And again, that doesn't mean it'll result in anything great. But I do think you can argue they have upgraded in some areas that are important. And an edge rush, too. The Giants have lacked, like, a good edge rusher since Justin Tuck, since, like, Michael Strahan. Like, he's been forever. So you have Thibodeau here. I think Aziz Ojolari is a little bit underrated. And I recently saw, like, uh, a picture of him, and that dude looks, like, jacked. It's that time in the offseason where you see the players, like, everyone's, like, you know, oh, wow, this player added muscle. (laughs) He really did, at least from what I could tell, because he looked huge. So... I think you can argue the Giants may have gotten better in some key areas. And again, it's it's a it's a long shot here, but I think you can uh, you can make the case for them more than you can for the bottom teams. I have here stats, which I already we already touched on the Jags. They're third last for me, but the bottom two. And I, I think I had these teams number 32 and 31 in my power rankings last week. And that is oh boy. the Seahawks above the Panthers. Like I just what are these teams doing? And honestly, even if they get like Baker, I mean, okay, like what does that really do for them? It, it makes them better than like, you know, a team contending for the number one overall pick, but you're probably contending for the number like five overall pick instead, <laughs> which isn't really better. Uh, I, just, I just don't see the hope for like either of those teams. Yeah. Uh, Seattle, I mean, their defense is bad. It's just bad, like really, really bad. And I have no faith in Drew Locke whatsoever, even with those great wide receivers. I just do not have faith in him. I know they tried to improve the offensive line, which is hilarious because that's one of the reasons Russell Wilson wanted out. But, like, I'm sorry. Until they get a head coach that realizes what year it is and doesn't want to run the ball 40 times a game, I just cannot put any faith in the Seahawks. Like, does Pete Carroll know that he doesn't have the Legion of Boom anymore? Like, the reason that philosophy worked is because you had – one of the best defensive units we have ever seen in the history of the league, keeping everybody close, like basically allowing like two touchdowns a game for Russell Wilson's entire tenure. And then you had a quarterback who, when you handcuff him all game and finally open the cuffs in the fourth quarter, can make incredible plays outside the structure of your crappy offense and bail your ass out. Like the fact that he doesn't see that that's what went on is stunning to me. Do you think that, like, do the Seahawks even want Drew Locke? 
right? <laughs> it seemed like he was just a throw in, which is fine. That makes sense because you're losing a quarterback. Why not take one on? Because uh, you don't have any. But it, it doesn't even seem to me like they definitely were like, okay, there's a guy we're kind of intrigued by. Like, that's not the sense I get because it's not even necessarily his job. You know, they gave more money to Gino. Like, it seems like they might, which is just insane. Just insane things in the year 2022. Geno Smith being a starting quarterback. Lovey Smith being a head coach. It's like, what? what is going on here? Like, what is happening? Uh, so I, I just don't see it. And obviously, just in, you know, the rest of the context of the division, like, you feel better about the 49ers. You feel better about the Cardinals. You know, I don't even feel great about the Cardinals, but I feel right. better about them with Kyler than I do anything the Seahawks have going on. And then uh, the Rams, the reigning Super Bowl champions, could very feasibly win that division again, um, given that they're running a lot back there. So, yeah, I just don't really see even the path for them at all. I will say, not that this is, like, better, but by contrast, the Panthers wanted Sam Darnold. I mean, to an extent. <laughs> not, not that that's, like, a smart thing or a good thing, but, like, they were like, he's our guy. And they went out and they got him and they should regret it. And that was dumb. And technically he wasn't because they really wanted Deshaun Watson and they kind of had the panic trade for Sam Darnold. But still, the point was they made an effort to get him. Whereas opposed to like Drew Locke was just like, well, I guess we'll take him. So Right. The uh, real point of that trade was to get the picks back and get Russ out of town. Right. Exactly. So like I just, I, you know, I don't know what that's really worth at the end of the day. It's just kind of a funny dynamic to me. Um, this probably says you're not in a great place with your quarterback, but neither are the Panthers. And honestly, I might rather have Drew Locke starting than Sam Donald right now because I just think there's, there's just nothing there. The, the Donald that really intrigues me at all. And I think you talk about vibe stats. The Panthers are like the all bad vibes team of <laughs> like the Matt rule is, you know, going up to these press conferences last year and comparing himself to Jay-Z. And then there's this talk that the Panthers have to hire a quote unquote rock star offensive coordinator and they get Ben McAdoo. It's just like oh. the, the vibes there in Carolina are not good. And I have them last in their division when it comes to being most likely to go from worst to first, Tom Brady is still there. I know the saints are delusional, but I like their roster and the things they have. I'd rather way have James better. Winston. What? The saints are way better than the Panthers. Right. That's my point. Oh that's yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, even if Brady wasn't there, I still would give the Panthers the word. Like Sam Darnold should not start for them. Period. PJ Walker is a better option for the Panthers then Sam Darnold, even if Matt Corral wasn't even there, just taking him out of the, like Sam Darnold should be third string. And it's amazing to me that they traded for Darnold, gave up multiple picks for him, and then like immediately picked up his fifth year option. Like who was breaking down the door to get Sam Darnold? What were you worried about? But I feel like they wanted to show the world, right? That it wasn't a panic move that we really wanted Sam Darnold. So we're going to pick up his option. And that proves to everybody that we're not just, you know, flailing because we couldn't get to Sean Watson. Mm -hmm. It was absurd from the second it was done. And now this is the, the boat that they're in. And I got to tell you, it's, it's ugly and it's sinking. It's just tough. It's like a waste of a season. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, yeah. how do you buy into this? Like there's, what is the, what is the vision? Like, what do you really, if you're a Panthers fan or really a Seahawks fan, like, what are you pointing to? It's not even like, okay, 
So like for the Giants, by contrast, the Giants should at least be like, okay, it's a new regime. We're tearing everything down. We know we're probably not going to be that good this year, but that's the, that's the state we're in. We're in this state of transition. We're going to a new regime. We're tearing it down to hopefully build up next year. Like, what is the vision in Seattle? Because it's not a rebuild. Because Pete Carroll's still there, and you're you're like you're drafting like Kenneth Walker in the second round. And you're like making some short term moves. It feels like, and the Panthers are the same kind of deal. Um, so yeah, I just, I just don't. I don't get it. And yes, I agree with you that, I mean, it should be Matt Corral's job. Like who cares? Right. Like, who cares? Like, why would you not play him? Like, see what he has. He might be good. Like you're not going to get what, what is the best possible outcome you're going to get with either Sam Darnold or PJ Walker that you like go eight and nine, nine and eight, the very best, like the very, very best case scenario. Uh, I'd rather go like five and 12 or five and 13, whatever it is. Wait, five and 12 now. Yeah. Five and 12, yeah, five and 12. With Matt Corral and see like, okay, can he actually show some progress? Um, but that's not where they are because the head coach is incentivized. He has to win now. He's in a spot where he needs to put up or shut up. Um, so that's kind of the unfortunate reality for those fans. And you've still got Jeremy Fowler of ESPN saying that the Panthers want to add another veteran quarterback. Like it's, it's, there's nothing good. It's just a weird, who, nobody's- who are they going to add? Like Baker, no. what does that do? Like, what does that accomplish? What, like, where are you going from? Who is holding the wheel in Carolina? I don't know who's steering that ship, but you're right. Like when, when the goals of the head coach or the GM, sometimes it's the GM are different to what mm-hmm. the goals of the franchise as a whole should be. You are never, ever, ever going to be successful period. Like it's, it's impossible for it to work because you're right. Matt Rule is just trying to win any game he can by any means necessary so he doesn't get fired. Because let's be honest, if he gets fired, is anybody hiring Matt Rule to be their head coach again in the NFL? No. no. And he knows that too. So he's just going to scratch and call. That's why I continued to say that Jimmy Garoppolo was the best option, or Carolina and Jimmy Garoppolo were a match made in heaven because the only thing that Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. can say is, I win games. And that's exactly <laughs> what Matt Rule needs to do to save his own skin but it doesn't look like that's possible now, but you're right. The value in finding out if Matt Corral can play is the, the only thing that the Panthers can get out of this season. And if they did, it would be worth it by the way. Cause then they know going into next year. Okay. We've got our guy. We, we can, you know, we got a all full speed ahead here, build up the roster around him, support him while he's on his rookie contract, which I mean, what, what was he drafted in like the third, fourth round? I can't even mm-hmm. remember day three. Yeah. Like, you get a quarterback on a day three contract. That's like the best possible thing you could have as a franchise. So, but they won't get that benefit unless they know if he can play. And that means they got to put him in this year. And it doesn't seem like they're going to be inclined to do it, at least not early. A quick point on Jimmy G. And maybe this doesn't matter as much as I think, because, you know, the 49ers started winning games with him when he came in after that trade during the 2017 season. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like the less you have him in the offseason is the less ideal specifically for him. I mean, you, you might argue that about any quarterback, but it's not like Jimmy G is a quarterback who's making plays out of structure and on his own. Like, to your point, it's about timing and everything. So you would want to have him, you would think, like for those offseason reps, even though it's just OTAs right now, you would want to have him for as many as possible. So he's getting comfortable as he possibly can in the offense as opposed to getting him later in the game. And uh, and obviously he's recovering from injury, I guess, still and everything. So that's a factor in here. But um, but yeah, so the point being, like you would think Carolina would make want to make that move sooner than later. But uh, we'll see. Either way, it's it's not a good look right now for the Panthers. There's not a single 
good thing I can point to about that team. Even their jerseys and their uniforms stinks. I talked well, to Christian McCaffrey two years ago, and he was like, yeah, we need to get new jerseys. Like, he even admits it. What are they doing in Carolina? Who was the best player on the Panthers roster? Brian Burns. Hmm. That's a good pick. It's either um, that or Christian McCaffrey, right? Uh, it's t- yeah, but it's tough to say McCaffrey, right? With the injuries, like, do you really feel confident in him being available? And also just the workload he's taken on. Like, mm-hmm. he's he's the most recognizable player for sure. But like, I don't know that. It's kind of like the Saquon thing. Obviously, he's been more accomplished than Saquon. But I feel like a lot of people would tell you, like, Saquon is the best player on the Giants still. But that's clearly not the case because he's been hurt a lot and he hasn't been good. But, but he was the number two overall pick. And, you know, he's obviously a prolific name in terms of fantasy. So you would think that if you're not really like paying super close attention. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think you could have made the case for a Hassan Reddick, but he's now on the Eagles. Um, it's probably Brian Burns. Yeah. Or Jeremy Chin, maybe. But can- yeah, they, they, yeah, there are a couple good players there. But overall, it's going to be like they're where the Giants were last year, essentially. And and if you're a Panther fan, I feel like the best you could hope for is that they actually recognize that a teardown is going to be needed and and start that work. Because otherwise, like you're just nowhere. You're in NFL purgatory. And that's the absolute worst place to be, as you have pointed out many a time on this program. All right, BLG, I hate to wow. say it, but I think that's the end of the, re- the list. I think that's the end, end of the, the road. road. For the oddcast, for a little while, again, wow. we're, the show is not over or anything like that. We're just scaling well, back we'll a little bit. <laughs> what do you mean we'll see? You don't know what if do you... like a giant meteor is going to hit the earth in between oh, now, now and when we record You're Kyle Shanahan-ing me? We don't know if anyone's <laughs> going to be alive on Sunday? I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it's possible. Hopefully not. Um, if you're going to miss the show, why don't you give a, a rating and review and tell the people, uh, the right. higher ups, demand it. Be like, no, you have to bring it back. What are you doing? How could you possibly get rid of it? So Right. Like when they say, if you don't get this channel, call your cable company right. now and demand it. There you go. Back, yeah, there you we go. Could be, we could say that we're back by popular demand. There you go. All right, everybody. Enjoy your Tuesday. Again, leave a rating and a review. Follow the SB Nation NFL show. And uh, we'll see if any of our predictions end up being right. BLG. I'll see you when I see you. See you, Stats. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.